0: Well, the key to understanding Polar Express is found in one of those first lines from Tom Hanks. I was listening for a sound I was afraid I would never hear. The ringing bells of Santa's sleigh. You see, it's the little bell that has so much representation in the movie. If you can hear the bell, then you believe. If you don't hear it, then you don't believe. And so, the movie Polar Express is about a young boy who is um, searching and hoping to believe in Santa. And, and there's a Polar Express that shows up just a couple moments after that scene to pick him up and to take him with some other pajama-clad children. How many pajama-clad children we have here this morning? Lots of kids in pajamas. To take them to the North Pole, where through all kinds of experience, they experience the true meaning of Christmas. Now, there's a lot of simple wisdom in this movie. One is, if a magical train shows up outside your window with Tom Hanks as the ticket master, you just better get on the train, right? Another is, new people are scary, but they're probably nicer than you think they are. Hot chocolate is the queen of all beverages. And the best way to make a new friend is what? Share hot chocolate. There's all kinds of things in here, but here is the point. This is what he's looking for, and this is what we're looking for this morning. Childlike faith can be restored. You see, the director of this movie, when asked about this movie, if there was any representation that pointed toward the birth of Jesus, he said, absolutely, any movie this big, there's always layers of meaning behind it. And so it reflects our search to have a childlike faith even during this time of year. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 18, verse 3. He says, truly, unless you change and become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. It takes a childlike faith to do that. Now, there's some parts of this analogy that, quite frankly, make me uncomfortable. But there are other parts that I think are absolutely beautiful, is that we seek to grow in that childlike belief And what God can do. You see, as you grow, biblically, there are two yardsticks. One is just sort of the natural yardstick of life. Are you growing in discipline and maturity and all those kind of things? But the other is the spiritual yardstick, which says, are you growing in childlikeness In fact, Jesus says you'll never enter the kingdom of God. I would say you'll never enjoy this week if you don't have that childlike faith of simplicity and joy and spontaneity. And that's the search that goes on in this movie. That's what it's talking about. And here's the challenge for us. We live in an increasingly skeptical age. Only 56% of Americans believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And the people who don't believe become more and more blatant in expressing their disbelief. The American Atheist Society has bought billboards across America. One billboard has a picture of the manger scene with the words on top of it, fake news. Another one of these advertisements says this, Dear Santa, all I want for Christmas is to skip church. I'm too old for fairy tales. Well, that's the question this morning. Are we here because of a fairy tale? And think about it. It is a little bit hard to believe that God would shrink himself to be an embryo in a teenage girl in the middle of Judea, that he'd be born in a stinking barn, that he would grow up to live this world. It's a fantastic story, but doesn't it stretch us a little bit? So this morning, I want to talk about reasons we can believe in the Christmas miracle. Look in your Bible with me today. We're going to be looking at a couple passages out of the book of Luke First of all, in Luke chapter 1, listen to how Luke introduces this book. He says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who were first eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided... To write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theopolis. You see, the book of Luke and the book of Acts are written to this guy named Theopolis to tell him about Jesus and tell him about the church. Now, listen to verse 4. This is key. So that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. So understand here, guys, the book of Luke was written as an historical document. That's the way you would open up an historical document in that day. And Luke, if you study history and even archaeology, we have proven through the last two centuries that Luke was a very careful historian that gets every detail right because he's investigated it. And his goal for you and I is that we can know for certainty that these things are true. That brings us to chapter 2, which is the birth story. And again, I want you to notice as we read this story, how it's placed in a historical setting, not as a myth. Luke chapter 2, in the days of Caesar Augustus, he issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place when Cornelius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married with him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, let me give you seven points about why you can believe this miracle. Number one, the birth story is presented as history, not as myth. First of all, let's just establish this fact. There is no serious historical doubt that Jesus existed. And that's not just from the Bible. There's all kinds of extra biblical sources that talk about Jesus, even from people who didn't like him. And in Matthew and Luke, we see the biblical accounts. And listen, because they're in the Bible it doesn't mean they can be discounted. In fact, because of the way we know they handle facts, it lends credibility to the story. Luke proved to be a very careful historian. And did you listen to how he sets the story up? He gives us the historical time when certain man was governor. He gives us historical events, a census. We see in Matthew, a star. They give us real places, Bethlehem, Nazareth, Egypt. They mention real people, not fictional people. Herod, the innkeeper, Elizabeth, Joseph, Mary. You see, the birth story is presented as history, not myth. Number two, the Gospels devote an awful lot of space to it. For some of us who didn't grow up celebrating Christmas, it's amazing how much space is devoted in the Gospels. In fact, last week we said God has invited us to be a part of an epic story. Part of this epic story is a way that God enters the world that no one would have guessed. And as we look at this, there actually is more space devoted in the Gospels to the birth story of Jesus than even the resurrection. So it must be important. Why is it important? Because it tells us from the get-go who Jesus is. Now, number three is really important to believe. The Gospels were written shortly after these events. The Gospels were written only 35 or 40 years before this happened. Historians say in that short period of time, there would not have been time for a full-fledged myth to have been developed. And on top of that, it passes the historical test of any historical event. Here's the, here it is. Can it be told in the presence of the people who know whether it's true or not? Listen, friends, listen closely. If this story had been written 200, 300, or 1,000 years later, it would not mean a lot. But if it's written just a few decades later means a lot because the very people who were there could have objected. In fact, if this is mythology, and the apostles have made this up to make themselves look good, James, the brother of Jesus, is still around, and he would have raised his hand and said, guys, you got it wrong. No way this happened. In fact, if we can be honest, including this story in the Gospels was probably not real good for the Christian cause, because the worst rumor spread about Jesus and his life on this earth was that he was born as an illegitimate baby. No one would believe that. No one believed the story. And so they bring that up. So number four, this is important. If you believe in God, it's not hard to believe in miracles. Listen, my friends, this morning, either there is a God or there's not. Either supernatural things happen or they don't happen. You see, God did set up a natural order of things the way they're supposed to happen. That's the whole basis of science is that life is predictable because that's the way God created it, and you can study it. But we also would say beyond the natural, there are also supernatural events where God breaks into history. God set up the natural order, but God intervenes in these miraculous events. Now, here's the point. If you can believe in a God who created this place, now think about it. You think about the intricacies of the creation. You think about how the atmosphere and the, the, the axis and everything had to be perfect in this one little planet for life to exist. You think of the intricacies in the way your body is made, in the way we exist. Listen, you got a choice here. Do you believe it just happened by chance? Or did God really do it? And here's the facts. Either way, it's going to take you some faith. People say, well, I, don't, I just don't have any faith. No, you. Do. everybody's got faith. Either you put your faith in what the Scripture said about the creation, about Jesus Christ, or you put your faith that we have no clue and that somehow something is out of nothing and just some kind of bang. And, and so as we look at this historical fact, we see that, my goodness, if we believe that God could create the world, we certainly can believe he could enter a baby through a virgin girl. You see, Paul makes the same argument in in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. He says, if God gave his son for us, it's awfully easy to think he'll give us everything we need for life. It's sort of the argument from the higher to the lesser. And when we talk about the birth of Jesus, if we can believe in the creative God, we have not a great leap to believe in a God who could enter history this way. I don't know about you, for you, but I believe that miracles exist. I've seen God intervene in people's lives and heal people who should have never lived. I've seen people who should have never been reconciled by forgiveness, reconciled only because of the word of God. I've seen protection that defies any kind of explanation in my own life. And we all have seen people saved like you and me who don't deserve to be saved. My friends, that's the greatest miracle in scripture. And my friends, it's not hard for me to believe in a God who loved us so much that this incredible story happened. In fact, I believe this story is so incredible that a man could not have thought it up. Who would have ever thought that this was the way almighty, all-knowing God would enter the earth? As a baby in a barn full of animals, into great poverty. That's not the way you would anticipate God coming. So we believe that. Number five, it fits the story of Jesus being both God and man. If we believe that Jesus is both God and man, then certainly the, the birth story confirms that, is that he is made of God and man. And then number six, the resurrection, of, the resurrection proves the deity of Jesus. You see, if you go to the writings of the Apostle Paul, Paul will say all of Christianity, he doesn't say it stands or falls on the birth story, even though that's important. It stands or falls on the resurrection. And Paul basically says in 1 Corinthians 15, if the resurrection is not true, you guys are wasting your time being here. If it is true, you ought to give your life to him. And my friends, I know in my own life, the moment in my life going through college years, that I was very full of doubt and wondering if it's true. And am I giving my life to something that's just a myth? I figured out rather quickly I could not explain everything about God. I could not explain everything about the scripture. I could not explain everything even about the story of Jesus. But what I could base my life on is I absolutely think there's historical facts that prove the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, my friends, that's not to say it doesn't take faith, it does. But it's to say when people who know whether it's true or not are willing to die for something they knew to be a lie, you wouldn't believe it. But that they die for something that they know to be a lie is incredible fact. And so when it comes to the birth of Jesus, if, if I can believe in something as earth-shaking as the res- resurrection of Jesus, certainly I have no problem believing that Jesus would have entered the world in a different place. He had a uni- unique death. He had a unique life. It's not a problem for me to believe. He had a unique birth. You see, the reason that Christmas is such a big deal is because Easter is an even bigger deal. And then number seven, if I can just be really frank with you this morning— I could believe in the Christmas miracle because, frankly, I want to believe. How about you? Man, I want to believe this is true. I want to believe that God loves me this much. You see, guys, you and I, we believe in lots of things that we can't prove, lots of things we don't understand. Every time you punch talk on your cell phone or answer a call, you've got faith that somehow this little device without any wires to it connects to towers that connect somewhere else that could allow you to talk to someone in the middle of China in a split second. Frankly, like many things, I have no clue how that happens. But I punch my phone every time it rings, right? Because I believe it. And when it comes to Jesus and his birth, my friends, we do what we do in every area of our life. We walk by faith. When you leave this building... You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna drive by faith. You say, what are you talking about, buddy? Guys, every time you cross a bridge, you've got faith that the state of Alabama built that bridge safely. And most of us have enough faith that we pass right over it, right? How many of you work for the state highway department? Did you enjoy those kudos? I mean, every time that we pass over it, we go, I believe, I trust. And in life, guys, you got to put your trust in something. Either you can put your trust in yourself or God. Either you can pr- put your trust in absolute mere chance or in a creator. Famous French philosopher in the 16th century, Louis Pascal, came up with something that was called Pascal's Wager. There's a great book about this if you're struggling with your faith. He was a physicist, he was a mathematician, and a philosopher. What did Pascal's wager say? It said, basically in life, what you have to do is you have to look at reasons to believe and reasons not to believe in Jesus Christ. And then what you must do is you must bet your life on one or the other. Every one of us is betting our life on something. And what Pascal would say is, In light of the incredible evidence of the existence, life, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the best bet is to bet your life on him. You just want to believe. And so in the story of Polar Express, when they get to the North Pole, he's still having a hard time believing in Santa. And he begins to shake a little bell Asking to believe and to believe and to believe. And finally, he hears the bell. And now he's able to experience the presence of Santa Claus. It was about belief. And this morning, here's, here's my, my hope for you. My hope for, for myself. Because we got seven days of Christmas. Can you believe that? The question is, am I going to live it just as a consumer just trying to get more things, give more things, celebrating Santa Claus? Or am I gonna live it in a way that actually goes, this is a major, major event. And I believe that God literally invaded the earth through the birth of Jesus Christ. And I can hear, I can hear the bell ringing. In fact, it's really interesting as you go through this story all the different characters. Only one character is actually given a name. The ticket master is Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks plays about five roles in the movie. But some of the main characters are these pajama-clad children. One of of them who gets on your very last nerve the whole movie is who they call Know-It-All. Okay? Anybody remember him? He's just extremely annoying. Okay? And at the end, they're all given a ticket and there's a message put on the ticket for each one of them. And for know-it-all, the message was to learn. You don't really know as much as you think you know, and you need to investigate and you need to learn. And for some of you, I'm just given a little smidgen of Christian evidence. And maybe you're struggling with whether you believe or not. And the message you may need today for your ticket is you need just to simply slow down and learn and to investigate. For the lonely boy. The Lonely Boy is one of my favorite characters. He grows up in an impoverished home. Christmas has never been very good. And he said something I could hear many of us say. Christmas just doesn't work for me. And the message to him was, it's not about you. You need to depend on someone bigger than you. And then there's a girl, she's a hero girl, and she tends to have everything together, and her belief is intact. And what God says to her is, you just need, not excuse me, what the the ticket says to her, that is a leap, what the ticket says to her is, you just need to lead. And some of you are like here this morning, you're like, buddy, I didn't need this proof of the birth of Jesus. I just absolutely believe it. Here's what I'm going to challenge you to do would you lead that with the people around you over the next week? But the main character that most of us relate to is the boy we saw at the beginning, the hero boy, and the word on his ticket is simply you need to believe. And this morning, that's what I'm excited about. That right now, before you enter a crazy week, you and I can take a deep breath and ask us, Ask ourselves this important question, do I really believe the story? If I do, I have everything to celebrate today. So right now, if you have a copy of Lifelines, would you reach in there and take your ticket out? I want everybody to take your ticket out, all right? And in front of you, there's, there's pins on these pews. Uh, we used to say, reach to the pew in front of you. I love that phrase, all right? There's a pin in the pew in front of you. And this is what I like all of us to do because this is going to be your ticket for this week being meaningful and even for communion in the next few moments. I want you to take your ticket. I want you to get a pen. You may have to take a magic marker when you get home. And I want you to write across this ticket just the word believe. And I want to challenge you today to put this in a place this week, maybe on a mirror, maybe on the dash of your car, maybe in your living room for all to see this ticket to making Christmas so wonderful, I believe. In fact, would you, write, would you watch this final clip as you write those words? Can you hear the bell ringing? I'm not talking about Polar Express this morning. I'm talking about that childlike belief in this incredible story that God entered the world because he loved you so much. Tom Hanks says, many of us, the older we grow, we stop listening and hearing the bell. And I would challenge some of us who've grown old and lost our childlike faith, could this Christmas be the time that your faith is restored? And for some of us who we have that faith, that this is our opportunity to share. And I'm so excited about next Sunday. I love it every seven years when Christmas falls on a Sunday. Because to me, there's something just extreme, something extremely special about being with my family and being with my church family and together worshiping. Hope you'll be here. It's supposed to be 20 degrees next Sunday. We actually do have heaters in here. You may not feel it, but we do, do have heaters. We might have our, our prayer entrance from last week to have a white Christmas. But next Sunday, I challenge you, let's be together as a family and let's celebrate what we believe. I love how John finishes his gospel. John says, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the son of God. Now, pay attention to the next line. I lost it. I missed it for a long time. And that believing you might have life. My friends, the difference in life and not so good life is do you believe? If you can believe this story here at the beginning, all the way through, if you can believe this story, it can lead you, as John would say, to more life than you could use. But without it, it's just going through the motions of life, growing older and dying, and that be the end. My friends, if we believe God could do this, God could change your life and give you real life. If you're seeking that, and we can pray for you today, why don't you come right now as we sing this wonderful